This is Sean Quirk with Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier. Kylie Omel are showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You kidding me? By Dylan Ward. Gets topside wrap. Oh, scores! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Ducan Supply Co. I'm Hutton Jackson here with my co-host, Adam Moore, and it is time to talk PLL expansion draft. The Cannons Lacrosse Club, in their first iteration in the PLL, now have 19 men on their roster. Um, they added 18 in addition to Paul Rabel in this past draft on Thursday, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, but before we do, I do want to mention that the NLL also announced that they're returning uh, December 3rd, December 4th is going to be their face-off weekend. So they are planning another return this fall. Uh, or winter, depending on the way you look at it. I know some people <laughs> are saying technically it's winter, technically it's fall, uh, but we are excited that they're coming back in 2021. That is definite. Um, hopefully everything is in order, so that way they can have fans, hopefully full capacity by then. We're hoping you know everything gets rolled out with the vaccines before restrictions are dropped, and we can see the NLL return with 14 teams now, with the yeah. Panther City Lacrosse Club joining this upcoming season. So we're really excited about that. Uh, any thoughts on this NLL announcement, Adam? You know, just really excited. It's again, I mentioned it uh, a few pods ago, uh, but it's kind of light at the end of the tunnel, right? We're, we're, we're getting there through, through this kind of dark time and really excited uh, to, to see uh, the wings, every other squad, uh, the new <laughs> Albany team. Uh, now, so we, we, you mentioned uh, a new expansion franchise. We have uh, two new cities though, it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. in coming in. So uh, really excited, uh, you know, just to see the light at the end of the tunnel, really excited. Uh, to see the guys uh, back on uh, the floor again in a couple months. No, absolutely. And we are, again, going to get into this PLL expansion draft, but you brought up Albany NLL. They're deciding between three names right now. Albany Attack, which is one that we is near and dear to us, having you know loved that logo in the past. You wrote about it. Uh, they also have Albany Black Arrows. I suggested Albany Arrows. I think the black kind of Makes it a little convoluted. I would have preferred, you know, the alliteration with Albany Arrows and then Albany Firewolves, which they should just throw right in the garbage um, with, you know, along with the water dog's name. But anyway, what is your favorite name of these three? And which one do you think, you know, fans will actually eventually pick? I'm always curious to see what, what logos look like before making a decision kind of on the name of the, the, the combo of the two always is something that really entices me. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, pun intended, they could have a fire logo, right. For, for that firewolves name, uh, bring in, bring in some of the old uh, new England flair to it, but uh, I'm, I'm all for the attack, bring those back. They had uh, obviously one of my favorite logos and favorite unis, as I wrote about before the announcement, uh, what that the, uh, Black Wolves were moving to Albany. So I think, uh, you know, there, there's two that aren't the worst names in the world, but one that I think is the clear favorite. And I think fans will, are going to go with the attack. Bring them back. Bring them back the attack. Yeah, you got to go attack. You know, they were around only for three years, but they had one of the best teams offensively in the history of the league when they were. Um, never ended up winning a championship, unfortunately. Came just short. But, yeah, and the, the, the logo and the colors. And I think you need to update the logo a little bit, but the color scheme is – 
is so awesome. Yeah. Again, that electric blue, and it's unique to the league as well. There's no, really no teams with that color blue at all, yeah. um, and not many blue teams actually in this league at all either. Um, so I, I think it'd be great for them to, to bring that back. Um, you know, I know Oliver said he was pretty partial too to the orange and black color scheme that the Black Wolves rock. So that's not out of the picture yet either, yeah. but I think it would be a mistake to not go with the traditional color scheme for the Albany attack. And I do hope that is the name that they decide on. Yeah. Either way, excited for, for Albany fans to get a team back. Yeah. We are certainly looking forward to the return of the NLL and the return of Brody Merrill onto the floor, but we will see him suit up now for the cannons because he was this top pick in this PLL expansion draft. So let's dive into this expansion draft that occurred on Thursday. Um, I first want to give a shout out to Joe Keegan and Jake Watts for inviting me on their little Twitter space um discussion with a bunch of other lacrosse media members um that was a lot of fun hopefully we'll do that for the upcoming drafts and the entry draft and the college draft as well um just had a blast talking with a lot of the other people that i hadn't really actually directly talked with too many of them besides interacting you know through twitter and other social media so definitely enjoyed that hoping we can do that again um but this draft uh was pretty by the numbers to start adam i think we both had a lot of our predictions come true the first, you know, maybe 10 or so I went overall 10 for 18. You went 12 for 18. Um, it started to kind of unravel towards the end though. So again, some big names that went were uh, Brody Merrill going back to the cannons where he played some of his career in the MLL. Brent Adams is another former cannon who we thought was a no brainer to pick up. You saw Ryan Drenner get added Connor Busick, you know, just a lot of players that coach Cork had mentioned. Um, Jake Pulver was one that didn't surprise me. Reese Eddie, I think we both, you know, weren't surprised. We were surprised he was left off his protected list, but weren't surprised when he was picked up. Um, what were your overall thoughts of this expansion draft? Uh, how did you feel about Coach Quirk's draft? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because you don't really know what he's going to do with, with the rest uh, of this offseason. So um, there are some questions, you know, you mentioned we were both nine for 10, I think, out of, in the first 10 picks. And uh, the second half, Taking three face-off guys is obviously one of the uh, most glaringly interesting uh, parts of it. You don't know what uh, that situation is going to be like. And from a goalie standpoint, with the last pick, he took Jake Stover, which uh, you you were you had mentioned on uh, the previous pod. So is that going to mean uh, he's looking at his guy, Nick Morocco, in the entry draft, which a lot of people uh, think to be the case. So uh, a lot of really interesting things. And obviously, always love to highlight that I was correct in – the fact that he did take my guy Josh Courier um, with the eighth overall selection. Yeah, you, you nailed that one. I was really excited for you when I saw that and a little bummed at myself for not, you know, believing that he would get drafted. <laughs> you also nailed Clark Peterson, which again, I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, uh, Adam, I don't know what you're doing here. I mean, and that's no disrespect to Clark. Obviously was performing at a high level with the Thunderbirds and the NLL and actually has played well for the Redwoods. Yep too. Um, I just didn't think there was enough there to take him when there were some other guys on that roster I thought they might target instead. Um, and then Sam Duggan was another one that you, you nailed. Um, yep. You know, I think that he was kind of uh, one that flew under the radar, but no one was really too surprised about it. It was just more, you know, not one of the bigger names, I guess sure. you could say. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about Jacob Stover, because definitely a shocking pick in terms of not, a, you know, we didn't really expect another whip snake to go other than Max Tuttle. But in the grand scheme of things, I didn't think it was actually that shocking after the fact, because when you consider that it was between the Atlas and whip snakes were the two teams that were probably had the best chance of not getting three players taken. Um, you know, if you look at it that way, which is he could have gone in a bunch of different directions for a bunch of different teams, but when yep. it came to the whips and Atlas, 
he probably was only going to take one or two from each team. And so that's why I didn't think it was such a bad move, if, especially if he's planning on getting Nick Morocco, because if you don't take Jacob Stover, here's your pool of players to pick from the Atlas and Whip Snakes. James Pinnell, Brent Noseworthy, Kevin Unterstein, Chris Matz, Aiden Hines, Dylan Maltz, Sean New, or Matt Hubler. So none of those names really like stand out to me. I, again, I think Hines would have been a better pick maybe if you really wanted to add another pole who, you know, played really, really well at Yale, a young guy too. Um, or if you go a little bit more veteran presence, Kevin Unterstein, but overall, like it wasn't too much of a shock. And at least he solidifies a goalie spot, um, you know, cause there's no guarantee he gets Nick Morocco. And sure. if he went into the entry draft without a goalie, he would have been a little bit more desperate. Uh, you know, I still think, Nick Morocco's his guy and he's going to find a way to get him, but you know, it, it definitely gives him a little bit more flexibility in terms of what he does. So I, I wasn't too, too shocked after the fact, it definitely was a pick that took me aback. I know I said that it could happen on, you know, a former podcast. I really didn't think it would, but you know, Jacob Stover's a good goalie. Um, is he starter in caliber in this league? I don't think so. Given the goalies that are coming in, you got Sean Scannone, um, Nick Morocco, Brian Phipps, Chris Madelon. I, I would still rank all four of them above Stover. And then of course there's our boy Dylan Ward sitting on the bench too, who yep. we hope gets a chance to start, whether that's, you know, back to back with uh Blaze Reardon on the chaos or um, on another team on his own. So, you know, that that's just something that we're, we're thinking. And that's why I think Stover is going to be more of a backup in, in his position on the cannons, but you never know. Um, I didn't think the pick was that egregious compared to some of the other snubs that we're going to get into now. Sure. Yeah. And, and just before we move on, I, uh, you know, I, I really had hoped we had some trades, you know, the, those uh, draft mm-hmm. and trade scenarios, as I mentioned in, uh, in our mock, mock uh, that's why I took Adam Gittleman. So uh, we didn't see any of that like we do uh, see in, you know, the NLL and some other uh, professional leagues, which is kind of a bummer um, to add a little bit more intrigue. But yes, as you said, the, the Stover pick made sense when you think about it. Yeah, no, I, I really wish he would have drafted in trade. But again, in the grand scheme of things, I understand why he didn't. He wanted to get Curtis Corley. He wanted to get Josh Courier. And then he wanted to get Brendan Fowler. So, yep. you know, you can't take Gittleman if you draft those three. Yep. And if you're planning on drafting and trading him, that kind of, you know, hurts you a little bit. So it, it makes sense that he took Stover again, given the pool of, pool of players. Speaking of Brendan Fowler, let's talk about the three face-off specialists that he took. So going into this draft, I think the consensus was Drew Simino was going to be the face-off guy taken. Um, you know, maybe he would splurge for a second. No one could have predicted he would go for three. At least I don't think anyone did. Sure. Um, you know, and I think Brendan Fowler and Tommy Kelly were, again, the two prime prospects. If you don't go for Simino, um, you go for one of those two. Again, Tommy Kelly had a, a really awful season last year. Just objectively, it wasn't good. Um, but he's been one of the top face-off guys both in the MLL at one time and even first year in the PLL, he was up there. So, um, you know, he's quick on the clamp. I think if you can get him better wing play than he probably got with the chaos, uh, he's going to be, you know, have a bounce back season. Uh, Brendan Fowler too is a great, you know, grinder at the stripe. I don't think he's a starting guy. Um, but again, you know, another great pickup. All three of these guys are a little bit different, which is great. Drew Simino is going to win that ground ball battle. Good change of pace. Um, you know, given what I saw though, from Tommy Kelly, last year and then the other two who served in a backup role none of them are really starting material so I don't know if Quirk is planning on still upgrading at the position Kevin Reisman was his guy last year in the MLL um solid 
you know, was up there with Max Adler and Alex Woodall. He was actually second in faceoff percentage last season. So um, he's definitely a guy that I think is kind of flying under the radar. But what did you think about these three faceoff guys that he picked up? Was it worth taking three faceoff guys? And do you think he's planning on trading one or taking all three into camp? Yeah, I, I don't know. I would think he's probably going to trade someone. Um, it's just an interesting pick. You know, I mentioned on uh, a few pods ago about, you know, uh, the value differential that, that players add. And you, you understand that he's not going to add uh, 18 starters, right, in this draft. But mm. uh, two of these guys potentially could get very significant lack of playing time, right, at the faceoff X. And um, if you think of it that way, grabbing two other guys uh, that could potentially see the field more and have a bigger impact uh, was something uh, I could probably see. Um, and now with three face-off guys, I mean, did we see a team last year have three face-off guys? I don't think so, right? So um, I just, I don't know um, kind of the, the thought process behind that. I mean, obviously there's a plan in place uh, to, to take three guys. Um, is it trading a guy like Drew Simino to then pick up uh, another guy in the uh, entry or, uh, or college draft? I'm just not sure, but, um, and I don't even know if you have that much in terms of uh, trade value uh, kind of leverage when you take three guys, right? If you have two, you can go into that conversation saying, Hey, are you interested in either of these guys? If not, I'm keeping both, but three, um, it kind of shows, you know, I don't think I'm going to keep three guys. So what is the trade value when it comes to uh, the conversations that these coaches are going to have? Uh, you're going to have to move one of them, right? Quirk, what, what, which one are you going to have to let go of? Obviously you're going to let go of one of them potentially. So um, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, obviously he likes all three guys. I, I was at uh, championship weekend when Brendan Fowler won Duke uh, a national championship, right? He was a phenomenal college player. And, does really well at the pro level too. Um, they're all really strong in a variety of different ways, as you mentioned. So um, I'm just, I, I just, it definitely with the head scratcher, to be honest with you. Um, but coach Quirk probably has a plan, obviously. Yeah, no, I think it was interesting. Cause when I saw that he took three, I'm like, well, this is awesome. He's going to trade one of them and, you know, hopefully recoup some picks um, kind of, but you, you brought up like, you know, having three, especially those guys, like, you know, are teams going to be willing to move or are they going to kind of wait and see after these entry and college drafts? Cause yeah. there's still a lot of great face-off talent out there. Um, but to play devil's advocate, I will say Greg Renlian brought up a good point that these rules in the PLO are a little bit different. The wings are closer, yep. you know, obviously the face-off heads themselves are not right off on, on each other. So it's a little bit, you know, just different style of these face-offs given these rules. And these three guys all have experience playing in the PLO the past two seasons. So are you going to see other guys come into this league and struggle a little bit? I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a good point to consider, you know, yeah. whether these coaches trust the face-off guys coming in. You know, I think Max Adler and Alex Woodall and Kevin Reisman are the top three that I think are on the same level as the three guys Cork picked up. But depending on where they land, that's going to kind of determine whether these teams are forced to, you know, play ball with Coach Cork or not. You know, if the archers are able to land one of those guys, if KS are able to land one of those guys, you know, then it's not going to be, there's not going to be any value for them, like you said. And then again, you know, that's value is still given that he has three great face-off guys, but no clear number one, I think is the real issue with this. Um, and oh. I think that's what, you know, we're all kind of wondering what he, he plans to do. Maybe he expects one of them to be a number one, but we're just not sure yet. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too. I mean, from, from a trade value standpoint, 
the, the of those three, Drew Semino, you would you agree has, has the largest uh, trade value at the moment based off of the bubble season? Um, I, I think that makes sense. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Tommy Kelly and uh, Fowler were left off the list, right? So they clearly weren't valued uh, enough to to the point to the fear of them being taken, right? You know, they they, mm-hmm. they were coach. Bates and uh, Andy Towers were willing to lose those guys. That That's kind of what it, the crux of the conversation gets to, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know what the trade value for, for those types of guys are. And I'm just, I'm so interested. You know, we, we haven't got into the war rooms with these coaches uh, to, to hear what the conversations are like for, for, for trades and these types of things. And, you know, are they thinking um, just from a schematic purpose uh, of how these players are going to affect uh, their rosters, or are they talking kind of the more GM side of things? We, we talked off pod about this, right? I, I'm just so curious uh, to hear about the thought processes uh, of these coaches comparative, you know, with other leagues, there's a GM that is looking at the, the, the kind of the long view um, comparatively. So um, these coaches are, are coaches and GM. So I'm just not sure how uh, they're really looking um, at, at kind of the longevity, how long they're expecting to be uh, a part of the league and how, how they're really uh, building these rosters. Um, you can kind of see that from what Ben Rubior had mentioned in terms of a rebuild and kind of building for the future and p- trying to win now. Um, but we're just, we're not hearing those conversations yet. And that's something, you know, as the league develops and grows um, and, and, you know, the, the years go by, those kinds of kind of talks and conversations come up uh, later on. So I'm just really curious to, to hear thought processes of coaches in terms of longevity or just win now purposes. No, absolutely. And, you know, we plan on talking, hopefully, to Coach Quirk kind of about his process and stuff soon. Let's talk about, you know, we mentioned Tommy Kelly as one of the guys on the chaos that was taken by the Cannons. That removed one of the spots. Um, You know, he also took Tyson Bell and Deemer Class. We expected uh, Deemer Class. I know you originally had Tyson Bell on your uh, list and eventually took him off in favor of some other guys. But uh, one of the the two of the guys on the chaos that we thought were almost shoe-ins were Troy Ray and Miles Thompson. Sure. And neither of them heard their name called. Coach Towers is able to retain those two guys, which I think was a huge win for him. Um, let's start with Troy Ray. Are, are you shocked as I am that he did not get drafted by the Cannons? Yes. And quite frankly, if you see on uh, Twitter, Coach Towers was as well. He was very surprised and very excited uh, that Troy's coming back to the squad. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, picked up a great LSM in, in Reese Eddy. Um, and, and that's one of the spots as, as I was talking about picking up two LSMs in terms of uh, productivity made a lot more sense to me in comparison to, to three face-off guys, right? And I know mm-hmm. you had mentioned, obviously, uh, only three picks for, per team, and, and that kind of changed things around. But uh, picking up a second um, – and, you know, they have Brody too. Um, but, I mean, picking up uh, another guy like Troy Ray, who um, has more kind of offensive – uh, kind of prowess, you know, would have made sense to me. So, um, and then, you know, the miles thing, uh, put that tinfoil hat on. What, do, what does that mean? Uh, you know, we were thinking, uh, you know, miles is coming back with Lyle. If coach takes him with the first pick uh, in the entry draft, we'll get to that in a sec, but yeah, very surprised um, that especially Troy didn't get picked up um, and maybe not equally, but uh, was a shocker that miles wasn't also uh, a newly founded member of the, the cannons. Yeah. And just finish up with Troy Ray. I think what shocked me the most is, you know, what you mentioned, he picked up Resetti, which is obviously a great LSM to have, but if he didn't take Troy Ray, I would have expected him to take a Mike Simon from the archers, 
or even maybe a Brian Carolunas who didn't play last season, but from the water dogs, like, you know, I would have just expected him to take another LSM, you know, and that, that he didn't do that. He only took one. So I guess that was what shocked me the most. And maybe he has his eyes set on somebody in this college draft or even entry draft, you know, I mean, um, there's a lot of, you know, versatile polls coming over from the MLL. You got a, a, you know, a Liam Burns who can play close, but also play LSM. Yep. You got a CJ Costabile, who I think not many people are talking about. Um, you know, I think he's going to drop maybe a couple rounds in this entry draft, despite being one of the top LSMs in the MLL coming over. So, you know, there's definitely opportunities for him to take another LSM, but yeah, I, I, I was really shocked that he didn't take a chance on Troy Ray. And, you know, on the flip side, uh, Miles Thompson, again, I, I don't think I'm as shocked from a skill standpoint, but just sure. from us all, again, thinking that he's going to take Lyle, why not pair him with his brother? They, those two are so good on the floor with the swarm that, you know, I thought it would be a no brainer over, you know, a Tyson Bell or a Tommy Kelly to, to take miles, um, you know, and people are now talking like, is that still a lock for Lyle at number one? I think it is. I really don't think, you know, I I think sometimes we like the storyline of two brothers coming back to play with each other. I think they only played maybe a season or two together in the MLL. Um, Obviously they've been playing with the swarm together as long as they've been in the league, but you know, that, that I think is just a storyline we all wanted to see. And maybe that's why we got in our heads that it was a snub and maybe not necessarily a snub from a skill standpoint, what he's trying to do with this team. But again, yeah, I, I don't think it means Lyle's not going number one. I know Dan Arestia tweeted out, you know, would you trade Austin Stotts and Dylan Ward to the Cannons for that number one pick? Uh, I think you'd be crazy to do that. I think you'd be crazy to trade that number one pick at all. I've said that in the past, but if you're going to trade it, you at least got to get that eighth round pick from the chaos as well in that entry draft to make it worth it. Again, Dylan Ward is elite level goaltender, but if we're assuming that Quirk wants Morocco and maybe, maybe you could get both. I mean, now he has Jake Stober on his roster, but maybe you can get both since Morocco's a lefty. You could have, you know, a change of pace with a righty and a lefty, but I don't see that happening. I think it'd be crazy. Um, I still think Lyle is going to be a cannon. I still think he can get your Lyle Thompson cannons jerseys pre-ordered right now, and that's going to happen come this entry draft. But definitely something to think about. I don't know. Do you see any scenario where he doesn't go number one overall? Did this dilute your confidence at all? No, to be honest with you, but you know how I love trades and, and scheming. <laughs> and I said, uh, it's not a smart coach that doesn't listen to offers if they are there. It would have to be uh, an offer that I couldn't refuse. And I just don't see uh, any coach giving that offer. But hey, you know, uh, Coach Quirk took three face-off guys. We weren't, we were surprised to see it. He's a big guy in terms of, uh, you know, building a team uh, around uh chemistry right he he talked about that a lot uh, of how successful uh and why his cannons teams were so successful especially last year winning that championship he also mentioned he wants to bring a lot of cannons back so in this trade if he could he only has three picks right now uh in this entry draft and uh one of them right you would think is lyle so that's only mm-hmm. the opportunity to bring two cannons back potentially that yeah. uh, or the the guarantee to bring two cannons back if if others don't get selected he could pick them up in the waiver wire and whatnot but uh, I, i'm not putting it out of uh the realm of possibility that that it happens i know you think it's not i do too uh, i think he's the best player in the world and uh to not select the best player in the world um 
seems foolish, but who knows if he gets blown away uh, by an offer, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's got it's got to be a huge offer for me. You got to sell the farm system uh, to get that number well, and, one and, pick and, if, if I'm coach you know, Quaring. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing too, like in a normal year or just like in any other league, we're not talking about the best players in the world coming over from another league mm -hmm. at the same yeah. time uh, as a league is expanding at the same time, arguably one of the best college drafts uh, in the world in years uh, will, will be uh, available. It's, it's a crazy thing that these coaches are dealing with now, just comparatively uh, to a normal off season where uh, they're just thinking about the college draft trades, those types of things, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're not just playing checkers. They're playing like 3D chess, having to, to build out, having to, you know, are, are they kind of with this, we talk, as I mentioned, the face-off side of things, are, are they scheming to, to move one of those players? They, they're really building um, uh, the opportunity to, to move and, 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 and make big moves. And, um, you know, some of those pawns that could be out there in a normal season might differ because of so, that just, just so much dearth of talent coming in um, mm -hmm. that that's a reason why I wouldn't make that trade uh, yeah. if I was coach Cork, right? Obviously yeah. you're bringing in one of the best goalies in the world in, in terms of a Dylan Ward, if you make that trade, but the, the difference between the best goalie in the world um, and then a couple down the line and bringing in a Nick guy like Nick Morocco, he clearly can win a championship with, with mm -hmm. Morocco. So uh, again, that value added, I always talk about may not be there um, when you're looking at uh, the pluses and minuses of making a Lyle Thompson trade, which uh, if I'm, Coach Work, I'm, I'm drafting Lyle. Yeah, so so am I. I mean, it's it, pretty much to put in other sports scenarios. It's like if Patrick Mahomes was playing in another league in the XFL for some absurd reason and decided to come over, you know, uh, are you going to pass on Patrick Mahomes? Like that's how the level of Lyle Thompson. I think yeah. it's he's indisputably the the number one offensive weapon. Yeah, and exactly, like, and and he's at his peak. He's 28 years old. He's not, this isn't like John Grant Jr. If a year ago, the, the MLL and PLL merged and Jr. was playing a season in uh, the PLL, um, you know, he's a young stud that can play for five to 10 more years, right? So mm -hmm. you're taking that person if he's the best player in the world. There, there's no doubt. Yeah, no, we mentioned his fitness regimen a little bit on that uh, PLL Twitter conversation as yeah. well. Yeah, the guy's super fit. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I do want to give a shout-out to Joe Walters because he was not selected. I was pretty shocked, too, that the – not really shocked that maybe he got passed over, but that the Redwoods that Coach Quirk took were Brendan Gleason, Clark Peterson, and Brent Adams wasn't a surprise. But, you know, those other two were when you could have had maybe a Joe Walters or even a Tyler Dunn, you know, who could play LSM if you need to or short-stick defensive midi. Uh, but Joe Walters seemed pretty fired up. I think he was expecting to get picked up by the cannons. And when he, he wasn't, uh, he posted a video of him from his lizards days, just destroying a corner against the cannons. Yeah. Uh, so he is happy to be back with the Redwoods and he is mo motivated more than ever. I think he's 37 years old, uh, but still playing at an elite level. Um, so I, I think that dude is ready uh, for his revenge tour with the Redwoods um, for sure next season. So yeah, <laughs> I just check out that tweet. If you didn't, it was, it was definitely the highlight, I think, of the post-expansion draft. But like I said, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from Duke Cannon, and then we'll get into the biggest needs for these teams heading into the entry draft. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that's made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. Now let's dive into the team's biggest needs heading into the entry draft. We now know what these teams are going to look like prior to the entry draft. We don't know who they're going to take, and I think there's more questions than answers, quite frankly, um, for a lot of these teams. But let's start alphabetical order again with the Archers. They lose a face-off guy in Brendan Fowler. They still have Stephen Kelly, who has proven that he can be a starter in this league. Again, I don't think he's at that elite tier like a Joe Nardella or a Trevor Baptiste. But he can clearly, you know, help you out at the stripe. I also think them losing Corley means they're going to lean towards the defense. Again, they have Jack Rapine, who they can turn to. Um, They have an Evan Connell, who they can turn to, you know, if needed. You could even move Mike Simon down to close if you need to, but I think they're going to target a defensive player. I think they'll wait on the faceoff because they're comfortable with Kelly, but what do you think their biggest needs are headed in this entry draft? Where do you think they go with this number two pick? They are probably the most interesting given that they have, you know, if Lyle goes number one, they're taking the next best player available potentially. Who do you think they go with at number two? Yeah, I mean, they have no attackmen, right? Like not a single good attackman on their team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I don't think they're going uh, on the attack side of things. Yeah, I, y- you mentioned on the defensive side of the ball. I think uh, going with uh, another long pole makes complete sense for them, whether you you mentioned your guy, um, Ben Randall. Ben Randall, yeah. Lee Burns, obviously another stud. Uh, I think he would fit really well in there. Um, and you know, who knows, there could be, uh, some moving and shaking, you know, it's basically like that. If, if you think Lyle's going one, it's basically like having that first pick. So, uh, bids are open for, for number two, if I'm coach Bates, uh, for, for future picks and or players, uh, to move up to, to get a, a guy that you really, really want if you're another coach. Yeah. You know, if I'm coach Bates and I'm kind of reading the room, like, again, we don't know what these conversations are. I might try to trade down maybe to four or five. Um, you know, I don't know if the Chrome are necessarily going to move, but maybe the water dogs are interested in, you know, moving up to two and maybe you can get an extra pick out of it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe the Redwoods too are like, Hey, you know, looking now and, and they're thinking we have our two face-off guys, but we still want to upgrade. Um, you know, maybe they want to move up to get, take an Adler or a Woodall. You know, I, I don't know. Again, it's, it's interesting, but I wouldn't be surprised if the archers trade down to get more picks out of it. If I'm them, I'm taking Ben Randall, and then you have three studs on defense in McMahon, Gobrecht, and Randall. I mean, that defense is going to be unstoppable. And then you get Gittleman back, and you have Drew Adams. There's really no weakness if you feel confident enough in Stephen Kelly, and then you can probably even get um, maybe a Kevin Reisman in a later round 
or go for, you know, TD Ireland in this college draft somehow, you know, they're, they're, they have a first round pick. I don't know where TD is going to fall. I still think, you know, given his track record, it's going to be pretty high, but you know, who knows that they're the most interesting team to me. I think they're in the best spot. Um, you know, it, and I think face-off and defense are really their only two glaring weaknesses, if you even want to call it that. And moving on the Atlas, they're a little bit more wide open because they traded everybody, you know, essentially away. And I think, you know, they definitely have lost some talent by doing that. And I think, you know, not protecting Busick was kind of a head scratcher for me, but they're in a good spot with all these picks. What do you think they do? They now have the number three pick. Um, they did trade away the number six pick to the Cannons. Now they have the ninth pick. So they have number three, number nine are their top picks so far in this entry draft. They could use an attackman. Um, you know, maybe you go with a Dan Bucaro who can play attack or mini. They could use some poles on defense, like a leader. Like maybe you think you can get Ben Randall at number three um, or even a Graham Hasek who Rick Beardsley has mentioned to me and put him on my radar. Cause I didn't think uh, Graham was planning on playing in the PLL, but you know, now I'm a little more certain that teams are probably have him on his radar as well. And he'd be, I think, you know, up there with Randall and Burns, if you ask me, um, I know Warren Jeffrey is also a guy that a lot of people are high on. Um, and then midfield, you know, you, they could definitely replace some guys at midfield losing Busick and Rabel. Um, you know, it, that's definitely a, an area that they could maybe try to target. I don't think they're as in bad shape. They got Joel Tinney, Crowley, Romar, Costabile. So their, their midfield's pretty set, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they still want to get, you know, a more versatile midfielder, maybe like a Challen Rogers who can also play um, Demity as well. But where, where do you think they go in this, this draft? Yeah. You know, just based off of kind of the, the things you hear from, from coach Ruby or, you know, he's in, in the kind of talent acquisition phase, right? Mm -hmm. he, he wants to amass as much uh, talent on the field and on his roster as possible. So, I mean, thinking about it who, who's arguably the next most talented guy on offense uh on the board that's randy stats right i mean it's mm -hmm. arguable but i think he is the the second best offensive player uh available after lyle and i would if i'm coach reviewer i'm building an offense um around randy and that's why if i'm coach copeland i'm calling up coach bates and talking to him about that number two pick because you know, I think the water dogs could use Randall or Stotts. I think they could use Stotts a little bit more. And I think it's going to come down to the Atlas saying, you know, it's going to be between potentially one of those polls or Randy Stotts. Um, you know, he Stotts might not be available at number four for the water dogs. You know, I originally, I thought he would, but now it's, it seemed a little less certain, but Copeland also gave himself a little bit more options by trading for Ryan Brown because he can afford to maybe target on the defensive side of the ball after losing a Brody Merrill, as opposed to going in, you know, before they made that trade for Ryan Brown, I, I felt like they really needed to get another offensive guy, a real leader. So I, I still would love to see Stotts go to the water dogs, but I, yeah, I I'm right with you. I mean, it depends, you know, what the Atlas plan to do with maybe drafting Michael Sowers uh, number one overall in this um, college draft, but you know, he has some options. Rubio has not played anything um, by the book so far. So it's going to be another interesting pick at number three for him. And, you know, even at number, number nine as well that they have that they acquired from the cannons. Now, speaking of the cannons, they also have some needs that they needed to address. But where do you think coach, coach Cork goes in this entry draft? You know, how early do you think he goes for Nick Morocco? And then what other areas of needs do you think he addresses? As much as everyone's expecting Nick Morocco uh, to suit up with the cannons again, you know, I, I think, 
Coach Quirk may have the ability to wait a little while uh, and fill some other holes with, with, with talent uh, that's still on the board, you know. Um, it could be another poll. It could be uh, whoever's left uh, of Liam Burns and Ben Randall. It could be uh, another guy uh, from that uh, former Cannons squad. You know, I don't think Challen Rogers is getting uh, enough love. We haven't even mentioned him uh, this afternoon. And uh, guys like Dan Bucaro, I don't know if he necessarily takes another attackman, but um, kind of my, my synopsis of that is I think he kind of waits uh, on the Morocco pick with how many teams need a goalie. You don't really think there, there's many. So I think uh, he'll be able to get Morocco or another stud, um, but be able to fill a, a probably bigger role or, or bigger need um, with that next pick. Yeah, no. And, you know, maybe he goes after Zach Goodrich as well, but you know, I think he could really shake things up. So we mentioned how we think he's not in that best spot to trade one of these three face-off guys. What if Max Adler or Alex Woodall fall to that number six position? You know, yeah. I think Adler might be maybe off the board by then. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, Chrome don't really need a face-off guy. Water dogs could use another guy. So maybe they take Adler. We already know Copeland actually had reached out to Max Adler prior to the 2020 season uh, before he re-signed with the outlaws, but they could really shake things up if they take another face-off guy at six. And then everyone's scrambling. Yeah, no, I, they, they definitely ha have some movability, but I almost wonder, you know, with, with four face-off guys, as much uh, kind of of the chips you hold, how much uh, are you really going to be able to pry away when, when teams know that uh, you're going to be wanting to, to get rid of a few of those guys? You know, that, that's that like cost differential that you're really mm -hmm. thinking about um, when you, you can hold a guy for ransom for only so long right mm -hmm. true but you know it, it's almost like going all or nothing I think sure. that's why you what you made a good point about having three is like kind of like in a tough spot because they're not all three considered starters but if you nab a starter then you're really you know sure no I know leverage where you can trade one of the lesser guys um to a team and they're not going to hurt you because well potentially they're not going to hurt you because you you have a, a number one guy already um, and you can get something back. I, I don't know. That is just a little, you know, idea that, you know, Quirk has proven that he's willing to take some face-off guys that we don't expect in these drafts. So he could do it again. That kind of brings us to the chaos or in desperate need of a face-off guy. Now that Tommy Kelly is not on their roster. Um, I think, you know, you could make the case they already were in need of a face-off guy even before then. Um, I also think they need to upgrade at the defense. You know, that you need another strong pole on that, that defense and kind of a leader. You, you want to let Jack Rowlett, loose I think as a guy that's just going to tear offenses yeah you know let him maybe be your top cover guy but you need a guy like Eddie Glazner or Matt Dunn that's going to communicate with that defense you know I know Blaze does a lot of the talking on that defense anyway and Jared Newman is no slouch as well but I think you need to really solidify that third pole um, and there's going to be some polls available but if you don't really take them right away they could be gone so where do you think they address first in that with that eighth pick do you think they could maybe potentially try to even move up? Um, but let's say they stay at eight. Where, where do you think they go? Do they try to have a face-off guy or do they try to have a defender? Yeah, I think it's probably at the face-off X, right? Uh, I, I don't know why, but I can literally already picture Alex Woodall uh, in a chaos jersey. I just think uh, he'd be a great fit as well as Max, right? We, we talked about, I think it's face-off uh, or, or the defensive side of thing. You know, they, they lost, Tyson Bell, um, they're bringing back a guy like Troy Ray, like we mentioned, but I think it's face off and then defense. 
Yeah, I tend to lean towards faceoff as well. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if he tries to add another Canadian guy. And if Graham Hossack is still on the board at eight, oof, how how much of a opportunity is that? I, I think he would eat that up in a yeah. heartbeat and continue to add to this Canadian chaos roster. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know if Hossack's still there at eight. And again, we're talking without Hossack even having signed yet. Um, they're clearly putting out signings that, we already kind of know about, they just announced Max Adler, Mark Cockshin, a few guys that are like, you know, no brainers that we knew were going to be joining this league. Hasek's one that we don't really know about though. Again, I, I only bring it up because my boy Rick Beardsley brought up on his podcast and put it on my radar. And I think everyone would agree that Hasek is, you know, one of the top defenders in all of lacrosse, whether it's box or field. So he's a guy, you know, for that Canadian national team, um, that, that did really, really well. And you can give him a shorty too, as well, if needed. So very versatile. Um, he's a guy that I think should be on people's mock drafts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, with the amount of talent in this league, the, the, the coaches are trying to build and, and kind of fine tune things. And, you know, they're not building an all-star team, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. trying to build a cohesive unit and adding like a, a guy like Hasek uh, to this chaos squad w- would be a, a phenomenal pickup and he already uh, looks good in red and black with, with mm-hmm. Canada why not don another red and black jersey with the chaos no absolutely absolutely and moving on to the chrome that also have you know quite a few Canadians themselves um, they end up losing Sam Duggan who you know played really really well for them last yeah. season Reese Eddy again I you know not too much of a shock that he went I was surprised Matt Gaudette returns to them. That's a big plus for them as well. Where do you think they kind of go? They don't really have any glaring weaknesses. That defense did not play well last season, but, you know, they have that core guys. They're hopefully getting Joel White back this season. Mike Manley's there. Jesse Bernhardt's there. You know, maybe they add another poll. Maybe they go backup goalie to kind of be the, you know, waiting in the wings for Galloway. Where do you think they target in this draft? They're the one that I really can't get a read on. Yeah, you know, a guy uh... – that immediately comes to mind is, is that Goodrich, you know, the Chrome drafted him in 2019. Right. And that's a role um, with Doug and leaving that uh, is there. And uh, a guy like, um, you know, Goodrich or uh, depending on preference, Nick Manis is another phenomenal guy coming over from the MLL. So uh, defensive MIDI um, is probably a position I could see them fill in. And you mentioned goalie too, that that's an option, but uh, Galloway had a, a bounce back season last year and, um, I think he's a he's obviously a Tim Sudan guy, so um, maybe later in the draft potentially. But I think the the D mid position uh, is something that I could see the Chrome going with. I think they're pretty set. They're another team like the Archers. I I don't think they have any glaring weaknesses. Um, you know, I think they would definitely like to, you know, definitely add another huge piece. I mean, Randy Stotts was a part of that Rattlers team. You know, back when Sudan was coaching too. I don't think he falls to five, but it might be very tempting to you know, pick him if he's still available after those first four picks have gone through. Yeah. And I mean, we haven't even, I know he's going to be a stud in this league as a Dan Bucaro, right? Uh, I mean, he had a phenomenal year last year in the MLL bubble. That's why, again, the the dearth of talent coming in is pretty ridiculous uh, to add uh, to these squads already. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to the Redwoods. Again, another team, I think that are pretty much set, but, you know, one glaring, weakness for them last year was the face-off you know they definitely want to probably upgrade I think Greg Piskuljian could maybe have a better year than he did last year because he was probably getting used to the PLL rules and again you know it was a very short season he's proven that he can be a starter in professional lacrosse so I, I think they're pretty lucky that he wasn't one of those guys that was picked up 
um, you know, of the three face-off specialists. I definitely think the other three are probably better than him, but, you know, I do think they need to upgrade at face-off. They didn't put themselves in that great of a position, though, because of the Rob Pinnell trade. You know, the Red Wings won't pick until 11th overall in this entry draft. Who do you think falls to them at 11th? Who do you think they kind of target? Um, you know, face-off guys might be off the board by then, at least – you know, the two main ones we're thinking in Max Adler and Alex Woodall, what do you think they try to do? Yeah, you know, I, if I'm Coach St. Laurent, I hope uh, that one of those face-off guys is, is still there at 11, you know, um, unless some team is looking to fill uh, a second hole at the face-off X going with an, a, a tag team thing. Uh, we, If you think about three teams, we've already mentioned two of them that need face-off guys them being uh, the last one there. Uh, so if one team goes a different direction, there'll be two guys uh, that arguably could, could upgrade uh, the Redwoods at X at the X um, and as well as thinking about the future and a guy like TD Ireland in uh, Erland in the uh, college draft. So I think of face-off guys there and uh, whether it's Reisman, whether it's Woodall, or uh, I don't think Adler's going to be on the board uh, at 11. Um, one of them should be there. And I think he has to go with that position unless he has something in the works already uh, with a trade uh, going forward. Yeah. I mean, I might, I might trade back if you don't think you can get a Woodall or an Adler, because I think you could still probably get Reisman. Um, you know, maybe they try to add, uh, you know, another long stick MIDI upgrade. They have, you know, Hugh Krantz, Larkin Kemp and John Sexton. Um, you know, I think John Sexton is probably the best pull out of those three, but maybe they try to add a CJ Costabile. Um, or one of these other polls like Alex Spring. Again, 11's tough, though, because I feel like you could get those later. So if I was Coach Nat and I can't get Woodall or Adler, I'm thinking about trading back, you know, maybe getting two picks, two more picks in that third round. So that way you have three picks in the third round and you gave somebody 11th so they can add. And then you can kind of just add, you know, I don't want to say depth guys because I think there's players coming over for the MLL that could take a spot on this Redwoods team still, but, you know, add a guy that um, is going to be able to compete, but maybe other teams are sleeping on because they're addressing other needs that the Redwoods already have filled. Sure. And I mean, heck there, there's so much talent coming over a guy like Mikey Schlosser, you know, a, a do it all uh, guy at the midfield side of things um, would be a great addition to that Redwoods offense as well. I love that pick. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah. Schlosser is a guy that, yeah, it's kind of, again, kind of flying under my radar, not everyone else's. But, um, yeah, I, I, that would be a good pick. That would, that would be a very, very good match, I think, for him. Moving on now to the Water Dogs. Again, another interesting team, um, you know, probably in the same camp as the Atlas in terms of they have a lot of opportunities um, to add some big-name players, but we really aren't sure what they're going to do. They haven't showed their hand, especially with trading for Brown. They've kind of, you know – kind of covered up their hand a little bit there. I think they still need a QB on attack. So if Randy Stotts is available at four, he's who I'm taking. If he's off the board, then maybe I'm leaning towards defense because that probably means a Burns, a Hasek, or a Randall is available. Add another poll to solidify a defense that was pretty good last year with Chris Sabia and BJ Grill. Um, but maybe they go goalie too. Yep. When we put out the tweet about Nick Morocco, Brian Phipps, and Sean Scannone, Coach Copeland liked that tweet. So maybe he has his set eyes set on a Sean Scannone, or maybe he's playing spoiler and going to take Nick Morocco. I think it would be a stretch to take a goalie at four, but not out of the realm of possibility. And maybe that's what they do in round two. Yeah. I, I, I think picking up a, a backup goalie is something that makes a lot of sense or 
quite frankly, a starter, right? What filling uh, another goalie role uh, on this squad makes sense. You know, Matt DeLuca did play well uh, when he got his chance uh, at the end of the bubble last year. So um, who knows if he's looking uh, to fill that role, but uh, they definitely could do a lot of things. But I think, like you mentioned, uh, adding to solidify that defense even further makes sense for the dogs. Yeah, I, I'm going to go more, I think, offensive side again with Stotts. Um, you know, I think that's where they really can make the most impact because I think a lot of other teams are pretty set with their offensive stars where they're a little bit more up in the air, um, you know, and they, they could add another face-off guy. They could, they could trade for Dylan Ward for all we know, you know. They can do a lot. Uh, they have a lot of potential, and they're yeah. the one that I just can't seem to pin down. Yeah. Um, you know, I really thought they'd go offense, you know, with that number four pick. I still think they do, but – Adding Ryan Brown was big. Um, he only gave up, you know, one pick. It was the 11th pick in the college draft, which is pretty substantial. But in terms of Ryan Brown's caliber, I don't think it was uh, that much that they had to give up for him. And I, I think, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch, especially going into year two. They have the most capability to change since they had such few time, you know, they had such little time together in that bubble that, you know, kind of a, they have a lot of opportunities to kind of reshape what they want to do going into year two. Yeah. And, and I talked about that sign in uh, that draft and trade with coach Quirk. Wouldn't it be something if role reversal uh, coach Copeland drafts Nick Morocco uh, and holds him for, for ransom to, to get him back to the cannons. Wouldn't that be something? That would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm drafted and trade, uh, if I'm drafting Nick Morocco, I, it's going to take a lot for me to give him up, yep, you know? Exactly. So, and I, you know, Quirk's probably willing to do it because that's his guy, but yeah, that's definitely an interesting scenario right there. I don't know if they take him at four, that might be a little high, but you know, sure. who knows you're playing with fire uh, really when you have the fire cans rules. going at six right after you. So who knows moving on the whip snakes, really not a lot of holes here. They definitely have the opportunity to add some depth though. I think they're hoping Sean new can really come in and, and play, uh, you know, that LSM position behind Michael Earhart. Um, obviously, they could use a backup goalie because they lost Jacob Stover, so they're going to be looking to fill that. But the biggest hole left from last season is clearly Ty Warner because of med school and not playing this upcoming season. So if I had to make one bet for this entry draft, it would be that the Whipsnakes select a D midi in this first round. Now, who they select is a big question because you got Zach Goodridge that – who knows if he falls to them at seven? Um, you know, I think they hope that he does. You could also take IDA, Isaiah Davis, Allen, another Maryland guy to add to that team. That's, you know, I feel like a no-brainer. And then you mentioned Nick Manis, too, who I don't think is worth taking in the first round. But if you really only need to fill that short stick defensive midi position, and you know Manis can kind of do it all, he was part of that championship run. Um, you know, a lot of chemistry with a lot of these guys on this Whipsnakes team. You know, he's a guy that you maybe target um, – I think they could probably get him in round two, but I know coaches are, are pretty high on him as well. So I think it's going to be D many for them, but the big question is who they take. You know, we've heard that maybe Goodridge could fall past the first round. You know, I don't see that happening, at least with his skill set. Um, you know, right now I would rank it Goodridge, IDA, and then Manis in terms of the defensive middies coming in here. But, um, you know, coaches value different things. And, you know, you could easily say Goodridge is 1A and, IDA is 1B in terms of, uh, you know, defensive middies coming over to the league. But, um, you know, I think Stagnita probably listened to a lot of his uh, players and try to go after another Terp in IDA if he's available. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And if you're thinking like on the offensive side of the ball too, 
the the guy everyone keeps talking about reunite Colin Heacock with with, uh, with Rambo, right? But another guy that's uh, coming over too. We've mentioned a lot of Bayhawks. I don't know, man. I think Andrew Q is going to be a phenomenal player in the PLL. I think he'd fit really well uh, with this um, Whip Snake squad. Uh, not that you take him um, in the first round, but uh, I think Andrew Q would add a ridiculous. Uh, um, offensive skill set to an already potent offense. <laughs> yeah, no, and I know we mentioned Colin Heacock, you know, another Terp that they would love to add to this offense. A guy I think they're sleeping on, another former Terp, Brian Cole. I mean, adding him to that offense, I think is even more of a no-brainer um, to, to add for that Whip Snakes offense if they go offensive side. And again, like you said, you know, Rich get richer. So he's a guy kind of on my radar that, again, no one's talking about, you know, you could, you could also add a Shane Jackson or a Mark Matthews, but you know, maybe they go LSM as well and, and take a CJ Costabile again and have like a dual threat. I mean, could you imagine Earhart and Costabile being your LSMs? <laughs> like it just, that defense is already stacked. Um, you know, maybe they, they play that game where they're like, Hey, we're comfortable taking any three of these D minis. Why don't we get a, a pole again to add that versatile or even a Liam Burns, you know, I, I don't know. I, I still think it's D midi. I'm just kind of playing the what if game here. Um, and, and that's really, the, again, a testament to the amount of talent coming over from the MLL because there's so many different ways you can do a mock draft. People will probably mock drafts and there's going to be players that don't get drafted that are going to be starters day one and get picked up probably by the cannons in this waiver wire period because they have first dibs. But um, that's, I think, what's the most intriguing thing is, you know, not just who gets taken in the entry draft, but who gets left off and picked up right away. Yeah, e- either way, talking uh, the whip snakes. Yeah, either way with the whip snakes, you know, the rich are going to get richer, right? They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're the defending champs, and they're just going to boost their arsenal even further. Yeah, no, I, they're in a pretty good spot where they're at, um, not losing really anybody other than Stover and Tuttle um, to this, you know, team, to this expansion draft. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be pretty, pretty set going into year three and, you know, looking again to – get a third championship under their belt that wraps up our discussion though for today uh we appreciate you guys tuning in want you to be on the lookout for another episode of takeaways with rick beardsley coming out tomorrow um his guest is casey powell another cuse legend so <laughs> he is pulling no stops with this podcast and getting the best guests on um so we're really looking forward to sharing that podcast with you we also launched the fantasy lacrosse podcast again last week um, that is a reboot. It is hosted by Dan Newbert and Doug Greenberg. Um, they kicked it off last week with a great breakdown of fantasy. They kind of did an overview of, you know, the scoring system, kind of the trends to kind of look for, some strategies to implement. Um, we're really looking forward to their continued coverage of fantasy lacrosse and the Flow Fantasy platform. So definitely check that out. Um, but that's going to do it for us today. Please subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you really enjoyed this episode. And make sure you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducan, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.